Okay, well, good morning. We're here this morning, and we are learning Bereshis, Parshas Noyach, continuing where we left off. And uh, if you recall, where we're up to is Perperek Vov, Pasuk Aleph and Pasuk Yudbeis. Pasuk Aleph we spend some time on, Vatishoches Horetz Lifneo Elekim Vatimolei Horetz Chamos, the earth became corrupt or destroyed before God, and the earth became filled with Chamos became filled with corruption. And Hashem beheld the land, and behold, it was corrupt slash destroyed. Because all flesh had corrupted their ways upon the earth. So, if we'll recall at least some of what we discussed previously, uh, what we know is that Vatishoches uh, Oretz Rashi said refers to both Erva and Avedazara, because the term Hashchosa as an Avera Corruption, destruction, as an Avera is used by Erva, as we find in the upcoming Pasuk, Ki Shchis Kol Basar as Darka El Haaretz, and it is used for Avedu Zorah, Pentashchisun Vasisem Lachem Pesel Tmunas Kol Soma. So therefore, Vatishachis refers to Erva Aman Avedu Zorah, and then it says, and became filled with Chamas, filled with Gezel, filled with theft. So we noted that what we have here is three Chatoim, Avedu Zorah, Gili Arayas, and not murder explicitly, but murder, but but the same kind of a thing of a violation of other people that's there in the in in Hamas, and uh, in Hamas, which is theft. So we have the corruption of the person themselves in terms of desire, the corruption of their worship of Hakadosh Baruch Hu in terms of Avodah and then their interpersonal failures, which is Hamas, which is the theft. That's what's described there in the Pasuk. What happens in the upcoming Psukim is, and, and so you know, we, we had extensive discussions about these categories. We learned the Pasuk somewhat closely. What does it mean, Lifneho Eloi Kim? Different pieces. I'm not going to go over everything which we discussed. But the fact that it happened before God is that God was aware of it. And now, God sees it, right? If we're going to note the way the Radak uh, says it, right, is that when it says, Lifnei was that, uh, was, was uh, you know, his understanding of that was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows what's going on. And um, so then, you know, that step one is that he's aware, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, pays attention, and Hashem then intervenes. So he's aware, he's attentive, and he intervenes. Um, but we, 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 uh, what I'd like to do, even though we left with uh, an issue that we still want to discuss and we still want to resolve, and Emir Hashem, the latter part of our discussion today is going to focus back on that issue, and that is the interplay between the three Averis. Here it says, he saw Vatishoches, that the earth was destroyed, was corrupted by Avedizar and Gilead Rise, and it became filled with theft. This, the, the second Pasuk says, And Hashem beheld the earth, and it was Nishchasa, which would presumably be referring to the same thing, Erva and But then it's very focused, Kishchis Kolbosor as All flesh had corrupted their ways upon the earth, which seems to be more of a focus on their fleshiness on the sins of intimacy, of, 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 of uh, Agili Arayos. And we'll see a little bit more about that, Emir Hashem, as we, as we proceed a little bit today. So that seems to be the focus. Maybe the Arayos, maybe the Arayos and Beremez Avedazara, because there's very little about which is explicit about Avedazara in the whole story of the Mabul. Lifneo Elohim, perhaps, but what we've seen is Arias. At the end of Parshas Bracious, what we saw was Arias. Remember the powerful people taking the lovely women as they chose. It was Arias. And then we have this comment on theft. That the earth was only destroyed on account of theft. Rashi brings, I, 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 with all the other Averis, but what really destroyed the world was the Hamas, was the theft, was that, that harm to one another. So, and, and that Rashi is here, and that uh, we learned the Ramban, that that's even what it's referring to at the end of Parshas Bereshis, because they used 
power to take advantage of people, which even though it was to some degree you know, sexually motivated, but nevertheless, it was the same kind of a phenomenon of taking advantage and forcing oneself over another, on another. Um, but, uh, and, and then, of course, we have that Rashi that we learned before from the end of our parsha, from the story of the Tower of Bavel, where there, Rashi asks, I don't understand, why was the world destroyed by the Mabul and just disrupted by the Tower of Bavel? Tower of Bavel was, was waging war against the Rabboni Shalom. The, ta- the story of the Mabul is just theft. Oh, it goes to show you that theft, that uh, Shalom, or the absence of Shalom, is the big deal-breaker. Peace is a great thing. Theft, which is interpersonal harm, is a terrible thing. And therefore, that's why the Dor Mabul is destroyed, but the Dor of Migdal Bavel, the Tower of Bavel, is not going to be destroyed. So it's... Uh, it, it's um, you know, there's certainly a focus here on the on the theft when it comes to the destruction, but in our psukim, there's a focus on the moral corruption, and we talk. What's these were natural inclinations as opposed to I told you not to do this. Okay, so okay, so the 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 very good. So that's what the Ramban explains, and you know the Ramban explains that the reason why. The world is destroyed because of Hamas, because of theft, as opposed to because of Erev and is because everybody knows and everybody realizes that you shouldn't be taking something that belongs to somebody else. Idol worship and uh, loose sexual behavior is not the same level of un- understandable instinct that it's improper for a person to have. Excellent. It's true. And that could be the reason why. But nevertheless, we have to understand how the Psukim over here formulate that it starts with vatishaches, with the corruption. So I would like to 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 uh, to to note that question. Also, we noted, and this is going to be part of what we're going to come back to a little bit later, is that uh, we identified, as we saw, as the Maral explained here in the Gurarye, and as is explained in many places, that there are two primary desires, two primary yitzre hora. There's one evil inclination for arayos, for immorality, and there's one yetzahara for avodah for idol worship. The Gemara tells about how the Anshei Knesset Agdola prayed for the removal of them both. We went over the Gemara. We'll look at it again later. So those two are represented as primary yetzahara, but the one for murder is not mentioned as a primary yetzahara. So we need to understand why the roots of everything lie in those two. And nevertheless, the branches seem to lie in something else. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But before we do that, I want to just spend a little bit more time on the balance of this Pasuk, so that we will go forward in our discussion, and then we'll come back to that, and maybe even see how it's related a little bit to Tkufa Seinu, to our time of the, of the year. The new Pasuk says, Hashem beheld the earth, and behold, it was nishchasa, behold, it was corrupt, because all flesh had corrupted their ways upon the earth. Rashi, again, notes that this is about the, the realm of immorality. Rashi quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that all flesh had corrupted their ways, that even the animals and the birds were mating out of their own species which if you would speak about a immorality in the realm of the animal kingdom, that's what it would be, that they weren't being faithful to their genus, to their, to, the, to, to, to their species, which is strange. And we talked about it already at the end of Parshas Bracious. You know, how does this happen? <coughs> and I learned with you the, a little bit from the Gemara, were they being, was it being imposed upon them and then it became, by, by people and then it became second nature, or was it simply atmospheric? That because people did it, it became part of the, of the air. It became part of the atmosphere. And people get influenced and they get drawn along by spiritual atmospheric changes, such as the immorality which was perpetrated by people. The Ramban here on Pasuk Yudbeis, we're going to read a few words from the Ramban. If we're going to explain kol bosar, all flesh, as it sounds, and we're going to say that even animals 
corrupted their ways to involve themselves with enaminam, with those that weren't their type, as Rashi explains, Neymar, we will say, When we say that the earth became filled with Hamas from before them, it wasn't because of all of them. It was because some of them. What does that mean? The, 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 explains Rashi, It is explaining the punishment of, of, uh, of man alone. Meaning that even though everything, all flesh, right? This is the issue. This is the sticking point. The term kolbasar, all flesh, well, all, all flesh includes cows, includes horses, right? So what does it mean, all flesh? So if it describes this, but then when it says, Hashem says, the end of all flesh has come before me because the earth is filled with theft. Now, that doesn't mean their Avera. That means human Avera. Hamas is theft. That's per- perpetrated by a human being. So it's because of the human Avera that all of these are going to be destroyed. Now, that's, of course, a little bit difficult. And the difficulty is that we're saying the end of, we just finished, all flesh has done this wrong, all flesh has done that, is going to have this punishment, because people have done this. I mean, we said before that to some degree all flesh has done wrong. Continues Rashi. So, continues the Ramban, rather, excuse me. Did somebody say something? Yeah, that's all human flesh. Oh, well, no, no, the Ramban is starting with Rashi. That all flesh means all flesh, period. He's starting with Rashi. He's going to come back and suggest that all flesh can mean all human flesh. But what he's starting with is that all flesh means all flesh, literally. And Hamas, when we think about theft, that could only be a human thing. Then continues the Ramban, and he 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 goes both ways to, to get out of this. Meaning, there is a possibility of describing theft by animals. And that is that if every animal became predatory, if every bird became dairis, became also against the same the same idea of predatory, tyrus is to tear apart, dairis is to claw, right? If they all became predatory, they were taking that which they weren't entitled to. If you'll speak about theft by an animal, that would be theft. That would be what we ref- would, would, we would refer to as theft when it comes to the animals. And therefore, it could be that the earth was indeed filled with theft, that all this kind of stuff was going on. And that's why maybe after the Mabel, we, had, we, 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 we have a pushback that a human being is allowed to take an animal, right? Allowed to take an animal, but he doesn't say that an animal is not allowed to take another animal. An animal is not allowed to tear apart a human being, but animals could tear apart one another. Valdera Chapshat, says the Ramban. So that's all possible. And we could speak about animals becoming immoral and animals becoming thieves. That's all possible with that mystical idea that the Earth's atmosphere changes everything. But then he says, if you want to learn it in a pshat, in a simple reading way, kol basar kol When it says all flesh, it doesn't really mean all flesh. It means human flesh. And he brings that... First of all, later in the Torah, when it describes the destruction, it doesn't just say kolbosar, it says kolbosar shabayru achayim, any flesh that had in it life. And that seems to be a broader way of expressing it to include even animals. And on the other hand, on the other hand, he brings a number of places, a couple of places, yavoy kolbosar lishtach, avoy slifanai, bosar Right, what we have both in, in, in prophetic terms and in halachic terms, where it refers to basar, and the assumption is it's only humans. So here's the problem, and here's the Ramban's two alternative solutions. It's very neat. Right? The problem is that the way Rashi describes the mystical, magical, corrupting effect on all of creation, but then when it comes to theft, the Ramban has a hard time saying that it's referring to all of the above. So then you have to shift, and that's uncomfortable. Everything's sinned, everything's being destroyed, but the crucial sin is a man's sin, like how does, uh, that's only possible to man? So how do you do that? So there are two ways to answer it. One is to pare down kolbasar and say, no, there was all man all the way. And the other is to expand Hamas and to say Hamas is also not only just man, but also the beasts. The Ramban offers both alternatives. That's what the Ramban says. The Radak, who is Bidera Chapshat, and he's the forerunner, as we've said many times, a teacher of the Ramban. 
he says, Kolbasa refers to Bnei Adam, it refers to people. And he brings the same Pasuk in Yeshaya, Vaykol Basar, he says, uh, uh, he brings also from Ashrei, Tilas Hashem Yedaber Pi, Vivarech, Kol Basar, Shem Kot all flesh should bless his holy mouth, his holy name. <laughs> all flesh means cows, simply it means, just like my mouth, the mouths of all other living people. That's the simple pshat. But then he acknowledges that Chazal say beyond that, as we noted. Okay, so that's that's that. So so these are the simple meanings here that we have of this uh, of this of this verse of this verse. Now, the 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 description is that Hashem saw the earth, and behold, it was nishchasa, it was destroyed. Now, we talked in the last couple of times about what that means. What does it mean that the world was destroyed? It, it can mean corrupted. <laughs> that it was, it was sullied by chet. It could mean, as we said then, that there's a spiritual world, Remember the Rikanati? Right? The earth was corrupted before God. The spiritual world that's before God was completely undermined. And therefore, the, the, the spiritual soul of our world was lost. And therefore, all that was left was to huff and puff and blow the house down. Right? The, the act of physical destruction of the world was almost an afterthought to the spiritual corruption which was already there. That was a way we understood it. And then we had the Sforno, who fascinatingly said that given that the people had morally corrupted themselves and they were stealing and they were doing all of this stuff, society was at a point of disintegration. However, there's another level of interpretation that we want to bring to bear here as well. And that is that Hashem beheld the world and it was destroyed that the world wasn't functioning, the physical systems of the world weren't functioning the way they had been before. Now, what does that mean? Why would that be the case? Now, I know that a few of you who are on the line with us, learning today, are learning the Daf HaYoyimi. And just on Friday, I want to remind you of what we learned in the Daf HaYoyimi. The 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 top of Samach Gimel Amud Aleph, the Gemara says, "Atzei Yerushalayim shall kinu mein hayur mesecha Shabbos." The the trees of Yerushalayim were cinnamon sticks. Uveshoshayu mesikin man recha noidev becholeretz Yisrael, and at the time that they fueled fires with them, the aroma spread throughout the land of Israel. Umishacharav Yerushalayim when Yerushalayim was destroyed, nigneza it was put away v'leinishtayr elakis ayra. And all that's left is a barley seed of them. And it could be found in the gizoy, in the treasure houses of this queen, Tzimtzumoy. Now what's the Gemara saying? The Gemara is saying that there were these beautiful, fragrant, fragrant uh, uh, trees. But when Yerushalayim was destroyed, those trees went away. Now what does that mean? Why should the trees go away? They destroyed the Beis Amigdash. What does that mean? So the piece of Gemara, if you recall before that, was where the Gemara described how 
there was an immorality which was present amongst the daughters of Yerushalayim. Right? Remember how they would make themselves out, the Gemara describes on Samach Beis, Amit Beis, to be super attractive and to try to stir up the desire amongst others. It's, it's a terrible description, a description which is uh, you know, reminiscent, heaven forbid, of the destruction which was brought down on the world in the time of the Mabul, is this kind of behavior, this kind of negative behavior which was there amongst, amongst the daughters of Yerushalayim. Similarly, we, re- we mention that there's, in the end of Masecha Saita, it clearly describes exactly the same thing. What does it say there? It says, <clears throat> When people started to con- conduct themselves immorally a great deal, the waters of the Saita stopped working. Right? And Rav Yechem and Zakai stopped it as it says, I will not uh, anymore pay attention. And, and bring visit consequences, which of course Saita is a miracle from Hashem to bring consequences on the moral failure. And then in the next Mishnah, as it describes all the elements of breakdown, it says as follows that Mishachara Beis Amigdash, there was no more Naifes Sufim, there was no more the sweetness. Rav Yaisi says, Nital Shumana the, the um, fattiness, the, the, the suppleness of the Peres, of the fruits was taken away. Some say Shuman Hadogon, even the, the, the goodness of grain, etc. And Chachamim said, Haznus v'akshafim kilu esakoyl. It was sorcery and znus and immorality that destroyed everything. So what you have described, and the Gemara goes on to speak about it more, is that the earth, which was so supple and capable and produce beautiful, beautiful things, stop producing those beautiful things. And it stopped doing it specifically as a result of churban, destruction, and more specifically as a result of minuafim. And you have to think about it, and it's very, very simple. You see, niuf is the ability to produce. What does that mean? It uses the same faculty. <clears throat> of production. It brings us back to that discussion which we've had before, which we're going to be coming back to Amir Tashem shortly, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in man a specific area which is, that is the, that's the ability to create, to create dramatically, to create with, uh, with um, you know, in the world of reproduction, to, 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 um, to produce children, you know, that's the seed which a human being plants. And on the other hand, that same area could be the area of the greatest desire. And as an act of lust, it's it's the destruction of the family. It's the destruction of loyalty between man and woman, which is the framework for bearing children and building a family and having a clear yichus, a clear connection between parents and children. So the world of production, of creating, of generating with seed is true for the animal kingdom. It's true for the plant kingdom. It's true for the humans. And given that humans have a determining factor in charting the course of the world, of how things go and how things develop, it's understood that if human beings fail and they turn their productive capacity into instead a lustful capacity that ruins production, that ruins the way things are created and generated, so then it will have this impact across every aspect of the world. But would mean, the Nitziv writes this in fact, that the earth wasn't producing the right fruits, 
the earth was corrupted. The earth didn't produce well, just like we found when Adam and Chava sinned, that the earth stopped producing like it had before. Now they had to toil to get it to produce anything. It produced thorns and thistles. Cain was cursed that the earth didn't produce for him. will not give its strength over to you. Well, the same thing is true over here. The same thing is true over here when it comes to this terrible period of Chet, that they also, it became destroyed. And the earth didn't produce all. The earth was corrupted. And that's the pattern we see in the Gemara, in, in, in Shabbos, in the Gemara in Sota, that when people take their productive capacity and instead of making it to generate and to create, instead it becomes to satisfy and to fulfill one's own desires for oneself instead of building out, then the whole creative capacity of the world is undermined. I'll read to you the way the Zayar says it in more mystical terms. At the time when people are worthy and they obey and fulfill the mitzvahs of the Torah, the earth is strong, and all joy is found in it. My time, begin the shchinta sharial ara, because the shchina is on the ground. Everything is joyous. That which is above, that which is below. But when people do the wrong thing, and they don't observe the commandments of the Torah, and they sin before their master, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, removes the Shechina from the world. And the earth is left damaged. Because the Shechina has left and it is not settled there. And that's why it is wounded. Why is it wounded? Begin Because there's a different spirit which is upon the world, because Hashem has, so to speak, absented himself, and that spirit harms the world. That's what it means, give strength to Hashem. Let Hashem fill the world. Hashem doesn't need our strength, but Hashem's welcome here is dependent on us. Right? Why? Because of the Hamas, the Sinas Chinam, and so on and so forth. It is because of uh, their failures in this matter that they brought other spirits and other forces to affect the world, and it caused the problems within, within the world. That's what it says. Now, the Zara goes on to speak about the fact that in Eretz Yisrael it's somewhat different, because there's no ability for another spirit to fill that world. However, there still could be something of a, of a, of a void, right? Shatachad Sharlil Chavol Nosha. Hashem could appear upon Eretz Yisrael still to, you know, to cause harm, to, uh, uh, to cause harm to it. Okay, so the, the, um, so what are we trying to bring out here? trying to bring out that, in fact, the, the destruction of the world of which we re, re, to which we refer is the seepage of this immorality <clears throat> into the entirety of the, of the world, top to bottom. In the Pirkei Rebeliezer, it says, and this is something again we mentioned when we were looking earlier <laughs> at the end of Parshas Noach, when it says in our Pasuk, what does it mean? Amrulai, listen to how it, the Pirkei Rebbe is really, really rich in a, in a remarkable turn. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting Pirkei Rebbe because it sort of takes later events and transposes them on early ones. 
Noyach said, warn the people, do tshuva, because otherwise the mabel will come and it will destroy all of your offspring. Amrulai, they said, So we won't have offspring. You're right. Why should we bother? We won't have offspring. What did they do? When they had relations, they actually discharged the, the seed outside onto the ground instead of into their wives. As it says, and the drasha is that they destroyed their derech, which is derech gever ba'alma, which is their seed, onto the, onto the earth. And then the Medrash says, and they said, if the mabul comes, we are very tall, the waters won't reach our necks. Right? So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it hot water. So they were really in hot water. B'Reishchem Kilkalu, U'V'Reishchem Nidainu. They sinned with hot, with the, with the heat of passion, and they were destroyed that way. So again, it's a fascinating period of Eliezer, because this Pasuk comes even before Hashem saying, He's going to bring a Mabul. And it's referring to Noach rebuking them and saying, Watch out, Hashem's going to bring a Mabul. So it sounds like this, destruction of the seed was there before. And we learned that as well back in the end of Parshas Bereshis, if you remember. We learned there that the people were involved in two things. Because the way of the Doramabal was to have two wives. They had wives for their desire, with whom they wasted the seed, or they, you know, maybe not by spilling it onto the ground, but by making their wives infertile, whatever it was, as the Chazal explained. And then they had wives with which they had children. And those wives were not wives that they loved and that they cared for. Those were the ones who they neglected. And uh, their, their passion was not their children. When Nayach said, you know, the world isn't going to continue, the Mabel will come and say, fine, so we won't have children. Ah, we want to continue to live it up. We'll be able to outstretch the Mabel. We're powerful enough that we will be able to go beyond the Mabel. But Chazal say their passion their heat did them in. HaKadosh Baruch Hu had them die. They couldn't be too tall. They would be killed by the hot waters of the Mabul. So we need to understand what's being described here. And again, we've already understood it to some degree. And that is that uh, when they cease to think productively and to go to do things in order to produce and to generate and to create life, then the earth itself ceases to produce and to create life. So that would be that consequence. But remember, this is a description of the very chet. And so I want to bring it back a little bit to, um, to our broader discussion about the two major chatoim, the two major sins. The sin of erva and the sin of avodah Those are the root. The interpersonal, the fact that people killed each other, the fact that people stole from each other, the, that really is to be seen as something which is to feed a habit. One of the two habits that we talked about here earlier. You see, when people sin, when they sin from desire, so in order to be able to satisfy the desire, they'll steal, they'll take from other people. They're not thinking about giving to other people. They're thinking about themselves. The focus is inward. And there are three uh, different, there are three different pieces of the inward focus that we speak about. Kina jealousy, desire, and the pursuit of honor. We speak about Avram Avinu as opposed to Bilam Harasha. Avram Avinu had three qualities, the Mishnah Pirkei says. Number one was that he was generous to people. He wanted to give to people. It was chesed. He was not desirous for himself. He had a nefesh shefela. And he was ruach nemucha. He was humble. When one spends their lives thinking about others, they're not self-centered. They're not filled with desire. They're giving. But they're also able to be humble. They don't need to be on top of everything. The core of chet is desire. 
We know that from, quote-unquote, the original sin. Adam and Chava, they saw this tree, and it was made to be something that was attractive to them. It was for them. In a certain sense, as we learned in depth, it was also a desire not to be under anything else, to be the most powerful in the world, to not need anything, to see the world as serving them and not to want to serve anybody else. That's why they were so threatened, the way the Nachash made it out was, Hashem doesn't want you to be as great as Him. He wants you to be under Him. You see, in our lives, the way we see it, a king is a servant. A leader is a servant. You think I'm giving you leadership, I'm giving you servitude. Right? The elders said to Rechavam, if today you will be a servant to the people, that's what it means to assume the kingdom, to assume leadership, is to be there for, to be there for others, to be able to do for others. The, 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 the difficulty that we have sometimes at serving others who are atop us is similar to the difficulty that we have to, is of serving others who are below us. If our relationship with the world is one where all the arrows point to me, all the arrows point to ourselves, so then we have a problem humbling ourselves to anyone, and we have a problem giving of ourselves to anyone. So there's an internal struggle. Am I driven by the desire to give, or am I given by, driven by the desire to have? Is it about me, or is it about another? If there's room in my life for another, so that I'm happy to humble myself. But if it's about me, then I can't. Again, there are two aspects to it. There's the difficulty of one humbling themselves to somebody else, and then there's the difficulty of giving up on desire for oneself. Those two are primary. Is there a core desire to harm somebody else? No. No. There's not a core desire to harm somebody else. It's just that that somebody else could represent either something which makes me feel small and dependent. That's one kind of jealousy. Or that somebody else could have something that I want for my desires. And that's another kind of jealousy. Right? In, in murder, you don't get anything out of it. So you see it as much more it's that destructive, that person's in my way. In theft, you get something out of it. That's the area of my desire. All of it is about self-centeredness. All of it is about self-centeredness. But why should I want to kill because of self-centeredness? Only if that other being that's there gets in my way, either prestige-wise, that I feel somehow that they're higher me than me, I'm dependent on them, or because they have something that I want. So we bring ourselves back to the discussion of the two core Averis, which were Avedah Zara and Gili Arayas. You know, the Gemara says that Antoninus asked Rebbe, when a person gets their Yetzer Hora, when do they get the evil inclination? Do they get it at conception or do they get it at birth? And uh, originally, Rebbe said that they got it at, at, uh, at uh, conception, perhaps, in the end, they came to the conclusion that it comes at birth. From the time that it makes a move to leave its mother's womb. Right? A Pasuk which we had at the, at the uh, which we'll have in, in the end of Parshas Nayach. And the Gemara says, I'll tell you an interesting proof to it. Because if the Yetzer Hara was in the child from conception, it wouldn't stay inside the mother. It would have too hard a time remaining dependent and part of the mother. The Yetzirah says you have to be independent. You have to be your own. To humble yourself to somebody else, to someone else, is just too hard. And you, the, the fetus wouldn't be able to stay inside as a fetus, as just you know a dependent fetus, part of something, part of someone, Else, just like the Yetzer Hara, in the case of Adam and Chava, struggled 
with being dependent on Hashem. They said, if you eat from the tree, you won't be dependent on Hashem anymore. Oh, wow, that's terrific. I get to be my own person. That's one Yetzer. That's the Yetzer of Avodah Zorah. There's another Yetzer, and the Yetzer is the Yetzer of desire. Things that you want for yourself, that you want to fill yourself up with. That's the simpler one. Right? The other one, the one of humility, okay, that requires a little bit more subtlety. That's Hakovit. Kovit is the most sublime of things, and it expresses itself in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But on the other hand, there's taiva, there's desire. And desire is a simpler selfishness. There's something that I want for myself. It's not just that I don't want to be dependent on somebody else, because that makes me small, which is again more subtle, but it's the desire portion of just wanting to have something for myself. And that's the Yetzer of Arias. And it was that Yetzer which dominated here at this point in time. It wasn't so much murder. Right? The, 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 the sin of Cain Vehevel was a sin of murder. Is that described as a sin of desire? No. It's described as a sin of power. Cain was disappointed that Hashem had listened to, hit to Hevel's korban instead of his, simply. You know, that's jealousy. It's not, you have something material that I want. There was nothing material. And then on the other hand, of course, we also had, when we discussed that more, more in depth, we saw that really what Cain was, was bristling at and was upset about was um, Hevel's vision for the world, that Hashem was an active part of it that human beings could not stand so tall. He wanted people to stand tall. Bekoima Zakufa, the giants that were there at that time. Remember the end of Parshas Bracious, the giants? And remember the end of Parshas Nayach, the Tower of Bava, where people build for themselves something that's so tall? And remember this Pirkei Rebeliezer that we just discussed, where they said, we can't be destroyed by the Mabel, we're so tall that the water is only going to reach up to our necks. That's feeling like you can't be, you can't be destroyed. You're invulnerable. You, you know, I'm going to bring a carbon that Hashem's fire is going to come down from the Shamayim. Whoa, he's intruding on my space. The heavens are the Lord's. The earth is mine. We build the tower to say, Hashem, you can't affect our world. That's a more subtle desire, as we said before. That desire for our own space, for our own independence. That's the desire which would have the infant, not the infant, the embryo, the fetus, come out of the mother's stomach because it, it, it can't stand being dependent on, being dependent on something else. That's one core the other core, again, is just the selfishness, just what I want for myself. And those two things go together. When you have to humble yourself to somebody, you have to recognize somebody else. And then it's not your every desire that gets fulfilled. There's, there's a connection between the two of them. And then the, what comes from those things, again, is the need to harm, to harm yet a third party. There's the need, the need to harm a third party. So what happened here at the Mabul was that all of these things were present because that's the way it works. You know, these Chatoim, they go together. These are the Yitzharim of a person. If your life is about taking for yourself, then you can't really humble yourself before somebody else and you certainly can't withhold from yourself pleasures. You can't produce and generate a world of kindness, which is the world of parenting and producing children, you engage in that activity just for what's in it for you, not for the opportunity to be able to give outside. And if you're just in it for you, then how do you worship? How do you serve a God? I mentioned to you in one of our previous discussions that even, you know, worship can have two different forms. There's worship which has a form of true deference to the Rabbonu Shalom. I want to serve him. I'm serving him because I want to serve God. And then, of course, there's the other, which is the utilitarian service. 
God has the power, God has the goods, and if I want the goods, then I have no choice but to serve him. And you know what that really is? That's called self-serving. It's just convenient. You know, if you go to work for a company, do you care about the company and its missions and its goals? You might. Then the company is going to love the daylights out of you. But very often you go to work for a company and you say, I'm working for them because if I make them money, then they're going to make me money. And it's really about how much money I'm going to make and how many benefits I'm going to make. And the whole relationship of the two is going to be completely different. Completely different. The service of Hashem is to give over our strength and our koiches, our faculties, our abilities to Hashem, rather than to see what Hashem can do for our country, can do for us. It's all what this dynamic revolves around. And it has two expressions. One expression is being able to see something above ourselves, worship, as something that we want to subscribe to and help and serve, as opposed to Avodah Zarah, where worship is distorted into a self-serving thing. And the second is the ability to use the relationships that we have as relationships of giving with other people instead of relationships of getting, and that's the realm of desire. And both of these will express themselves in our relationship with other human beings who are neither our wives, not involved with us in, a, in, a, in, in, so to speak, in the areas of morality, nor our gods in the realm of deference. In the end, the Mabel destroys the world because of how it affected, one person affected the other. Because the world can't exist when people are harming each other. When they sinned in the Dar HaMabu, in the Dar HaFlaga, when they built the Tower of Bavel, they were focused on their struggle with accepting a Lord above them. But it hadn't expressed itself at that generation in difficulty with each other. So the world could exist. That they were rejecting Hashem, that they were self-serving, that they were trying to assert themselves relative to Hashem. Hashem doesn't destroy the world for that when it expresses itself, when it's, when it's the greater function is the function of desire and they end up stealing from each other as a result, so then the world collapses under its own weight. When people aren't giving to each other, when they say, forget it, we don't have to have children, you're right. We just need to be tall enough to be able to survive, to not be vulnerable. Now then the world, in a great sense, is going to collapse under its own weight. That's the concept which we have here. And I want to just... I want to conclude with bringing this home for a moment to uh, our days. Today is the 31st day of the Eimer. This is a period, Lag Eimer is coming up as a Hashem tomorrow night. It's a period of difficulty, of mourning. We mourn over the students of Rabbi Akiva, who, they did not treat one another with respect. And everyone struggles and they say, I don't understand. How could that be? Rabbi Akiva was the master of the Haftalareach HaKamocha. Rabbi Akiva is the one who taught that the great overarching principle of the Torah is you should love your fellow man like yourself. So how could you say that his students didn't treat one another with respect? And obviously the root of the answer is that there's a difference between loving somebody and respecting somebody. To love somebody, you have to be caring, you have to be giving, you have to want to look beyond yourself, and Rabbi Akiva succeeded without any question in instilling that in his students. But there is another yater, and that yater is of independence. Nagu kavayzelazeh means, you know, the Gemara says that the Talmidei Chachamim in Bavel used to stand up for each other. They treated each other as Rabbeim. They said, look, we talk in learning, we learn about things together. You teach me things I wouldn't know without you. So therefore, I want to act with you towards you with covet, with respect, with deference. I get so much from you, and therefore I'm deferential to you. That's hard. The Yetzirah would have had the baby leave the fetus because it didn't want it to feed, feel dependent on them. You can have one without the other, 
In the days of Rabbi Akiva, it seems, they licked the Ava thing. They were generous and they were giving you know, to one another. They loved their fellow man like themselves. But there's a difference between loving and respecting. You can love and you can give, and in that sense not be self-centered, but it seems not necessarily have licked the other part. Like maybe the people of the Dar HaFloga, who were very peaceful with each other. It was just that they couldn't accept a deference to somebody else. They were like one, the Pusik says. But they couldn't accept a God over them. It's two different things. It's two different things. And in our own persona, we have to understand that the ability to give to another person, because we care for them and we want to give them, which sometimes isn't so hard, right? We have, we're able to be generous. We could be generous with our resources. We could be generous with our smiles. We could be generous, we could be giving. Like, why not be giving? But to defer to someone? Ouch. To make my, that, that giving sometimes makes you feel very great. But to realize that you have to defer to somebody. And that defer to somebody could be prost and simple, like the Avedu Zorah that you, that you, uh, that you say, okay, look, they're going to give me something, so I have to turn to it. Which is a, a sort of fake deference, like the deference of the utilitarian employee to his boss. But then there's even a more profound deference. And that is, I recognize that that's the big deal, and I want to give over all of myself to serve that big deal. That's real Avaida. Right? On every level, that was the challenge, perhaps, in the days of in the days of Rabbi Akiva. That's maybe also what uh, what it said over here, which was that they were engaged in Kishuf. Remember what we found in the Chazal? In Kishuf, in sorcery. Sorcery is when again, you're trying to dictate the outcome. You're trying to manipulate the spiritual forces to make them work, work for you. As we've mentioned many times, by Paro, by the Rishoyim, it says they stand over their gods, who omed al hayar, trying to manipulate God for your purposes. It's a half-deference. If we want to stand at our Sinai, we want to accept the Torah, we have to realize we have to be deferential, not just giving, but deferential, to hear the word of Hashem, to hear the word of that who's teaching the word of Hashem. That's the, that's the trick, and that's not an easy one. It's not an easy one at all. Okay, that's what I wanted to share with you today. Mir Hashem. Next week we will hopefully meet again. Thank you, Rabbi Howard. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Be well.